Looking for health info? This is Health U's House Call, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's podcast. We're here to provide you with the tools and resources to make informed decisions about your health. Here, our expert providers will provide you with wellness tips, information, and general health advice. This is House Call. With monkeypox cases on the rise in the U.S., many are wondering how they can protect themselves and if they should be worried about this virus. So today we're joined by infectious disease expert Edward Liu. Thank you so much, Dr. Liu, for joining us. Um, We're really excited to talk to you today. Oh, thank you for um, uh, inviting me. Let's just dive right in, and can you tell us what is monkeypox? So monkeypox is a virus, and it's uh, part of the pox uh, family. Uh, and it was a very rare infection in the past. Uh, I think the first human uh, infection was in 1970, and usually it was from uh, contact with certain animals, including monkeys. So there's been very few cases here and there uh, across the world. Sometimes they were because of lab exposure to an animal. Sometimes it was because uh, of an animal in Africa, but it has not been widespread and it hasn't been in the United States. So this started originally, I guess, from contact from animals. It's been a rare virus to spread. Why the uptick now? Um, I think it hit that critical mass where some people had it, an active uh, virus in their body, and with close contact and sometimes sexual contact, it can be spread that way, which we didn't know. So we're, the doctors, the scientists are learning as, we're, uh, as the experience is going on, and we're finding out new things uh, uh, every, every day. That's a good place to start. Maybe let's talk about transmission and spread. Mm-hmm. How is it spread? So it's primarily spread by close contact and not casual contact, but very close contact, including sexual contact. Um, it is, uh, there's a small chance of being uh, transmitted through uh, a contact with drainage and fluid from, from the skin lesions. Um, And there's even smaller risk of having it uh, through droplet, but we think that's very, very rare. I think right now what the CDC is doing is being extra cautious and saying that if you are truly exposed in a healthcare setting, for example, have an N95 and have the appropriate PPE. But really it's passed by very close contact, not casual contact. We're talking about skin to skin for prolonged periods of time, including sexual contact. Got it. That makes sense. So... I guess you couldn't get it from like a hug from somebody. It would have to be, like you said, that prolonged contact. Prolonged contact, skin to skin, not, not with uh, clothing and not with barriers. Right. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit, I guess, about the symptoms. How would you know that you have monkeypox? So the most obvious things would be the skin lesions that can look like different things. Um, it can be flat uh, skin lesions. They can be more nodular, meaning they, they have a little bump to it. Sometimes they have a little bit of a little dimple in the middle, which is more specific to monkeypox. But really, it can look like different types of rashes. It can be different parts of body. can be only in certain areas. Um, it can be in the genital area also and be confused for other STDs. Yeah, that was going to be my question, if it's kind of localized or if it kind of just covers you head to toe. Can it do both? It can do both. I would say that the, the ones I've seen have been more localized, but it's certainly not just around a general area. It can pop up elsewhere, especially if the virus is a systemic virus, meaning it does go out, travel throughout the body. It can pop up in er- other areas. Right. Okay. So we mentioned rashes, lesions. Um, did we talk about the other symptoms? I think there's like fever. And yeah, chills. you can have fevers, chills, uh, lymph node uh, enlargement. 
but those are very nonspecific. That can happen from a lot of different types of things. Um, but I would say the combination really makes you have the more likelihood that you have monkeypox. Could you, could you have monkeypox and not have a rash? Uh, if you do, you have a very mild case. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, if you're experiencing any symptoms like fever, chills, um, rash, you should see your doctor, whether it's for monkeypox or... You should see a doctor and COVID, give them a call, right? and it could be other things, including uh, other viral infections. Um, if you had the respiratory component to it, it's more, you know, it could be COVID, it could be other viral and uh, respiratory viruses. Um, the, the, the skin lesions don't have to be, um, they're, they're part of the package, so most respiratory uh, infections don't have distinct skin lesions and ones that stay, and these would stay for weeks sometimes, up to a month. Oh, that's a great point. I guess duration of symptoms. You said it could be up to a month. Is this is this similar to any other virus, like chickenpox? Like I don't, I'm not really sure. I think it's more prolonged than most of the uh, the the viral infections I'm seeing more commonly. Um, I think it does um, stay longer. Most skin lesions and for other viruses tend to go away in a week or two, not stay around for more than four weeks. And I've seen a few patients that have had it more than four weeks. Takes a while to come. It does scab over. Does uh, the scabs do fall off? Um, the skin still has to heal up. There may be uh, some uh, significant inflammation and scarring. So that's one of the problems with this with this disease. Yeah. So is there, I guess, a high rate for hospitalization if you have monkeypox? Are you normally able to kind of recover at home? What does that look like? I think uh, the vast majority are outpatient. Only a small percentage would be inpatient, uh, and uh, maybe because of uh, uncontrolled pain, because it's very painful, uh, or maybe a certain part of your body, like the uh, rectum, or pro uh, is very inflamed. So um, proctitis is, is uh, has been described. Um, so it's if something is uncontrolled, but I would say the vast majority it is self-limited, does go away, sometimes without treatment. What is the pain from? Is it from the rash? It's from the rash. So it's yeah. very painful in those areas. And the more rash you have, the more painful it is. And if it's around a sensitive area, um, whether the face, the mouth, the rectum, the genital area, it, with, you know, a place with a lot of nerves, it's going to be very painful. Right. Is there itching? Is it... Or I, Maybe I think later you said there could be fluid when, from it, so... There, there's some fluid, but it's not like chickenpox. It doesn't have... Chickenpox is notorious for having some fluid in it bursting and mm -hmm. um, and eventually drying out and crusting over. This is slower, not much fluid at all, more solid uh, skin uh, lesions. Gotcha. So then you mentioned, you know, most people, it would take about a month. They, they're mm -hmm. able to recover at home. Are there treatments available? There's an antiviral uh, treatment, T-pox, that's been... Uh, is is released by the government. Um, it's not FDA approved, uh, but it's available on compassionate use. So provi uh, healthcare providers can apply for it. It's limited um, in terms of quantity, but it can be you can get it. Uh, but it does take some w effort and work and paperwork, and it's not something you can get from a pharmacy. Right. I guess when we're looking at. I'm just, I keep thinking about COVID and how COVID, you know, was so widespread and people who got it were really sick and knocked down. So if we're saying COVID's like a 10 of feeling ill, how would you rate monkeypox? 
Well, I think that uh, it's not a, um, we haven't seen fatalities from it um, in, in the past. And so far in the last three months, we haven't seen uh, fatalities, uh, you know, maybe just one or two across the world. And mm-hmm. um, so I think it's less uh, dangerous. Um, it's less transmittable. Um, I would say, you know, it's uh, maybe a five compared to the COVID being 10. Um, I think that the transmission is not as easy. It's not primarily respiratory. So you will see cases. We're seeing increase in number of cases, but it, it's steadily increasing, not uh, not jumping by leaps and bounds every every week. Do we know anything about how long it can live on surfaces? I'm just imagining kids going back to school, especially young ones. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a high risk in that? Because you know, everything's in the mouth or they're drooling. Yeah, I mean, I think kids are uh, are very um, small population that's affected by this. I think there's only been a couple of cases. Um, I would say that you can still use the common household cleaners and disinfectants if you're concerned about that. Um, probably good practice anyway. COVID hasn't left, right? Maybe it's not quite as bad, especially if you're vaccinated, but it hasn't left. So I think... Uh, you know, cleaning the desks, uh, washing hands is still the best way to, to, to take care of that problem. Definitely, definitely good practice to handle, even once COVID is over, right? Yeah. You know, floozies mm-hmm. and colds, yeah. it's going to be the best way to protect yourself. Yeah. Going a little bit more on the protection side, is there a vaccine available? Is it something just anyone should look into? Or are there certain groups of people who are, uh, I guess, more prone, better to suited to get right. it? Right. So there is a vaccine, Janios, and, and it, it was originally uh, pr- uh, looked at for smallpox. They're allowing it to be used in uh, monkeypox. There's not a lot of information about it, but because they're similar viruses, they think it'll have some protective effect. Um, if you're at the highest risk population, it's a good idea to, if you have access to it to get uh, the vaccine. Uh, but it's not available in large amounts right now. I think they're trying to ramp up the production and distribution. But as you, as we saw with most of the vaccines, I mean, it's hard to start from scratch. Um, I think the manufacturer, I think, is in Europe. And I'm sure most of the, you know, a lot of the world wants it right now. So um, I think it is on short shortage right now. For sure. So who would be that target population that is most at risk? So right now, I would say it's uh, really men who have sex with men. Uh, that is a couple of weeks ago, they looked at it, it was 98% of all the monkeypox cases. So um, that's a very high-risk population. If they have multiple sexual partners, um, you know, that, that's the population we should focus on first uh, because of the limited quantity. Eventually, that might be something offered to healthcare workers that people get exposed. But I would say right now, I'd focus almost exclusively on that, on that population. Got it. If somebody in your home... I know it's it's not as widespread as COVID now, but if somebody in your home did have monkeypox, should they be quarantining? Or I know it's not, again, as transmi- trans- transmissible, right. but how would you handle it? I mean, it, it's you have to keep your stuff self- separate. You have to clean the bathroom. So when you think about it, we didn't have to worry that much about bathroom for a respiratory uh, virus, right? But, uh, but this, because the lesions could be on the skin, could be in a genital area, you have to clean the bathroom regularly after usage to prevent spread because that, that's actually one of the, the concerns. Clothes and, and any linens that might be contaminated should be washed separately, probably in hot water. Um, and, and people should avoid a lot of uh, exposure to the public. It's hard to 
uh, be in quarantine for four weeks. Um, I think it sometimes is economically not feasible, but I think that if people can stay away, keep all the, if they have skin lesions that are drying out, keep them covered, um, and try to minimize their contact with the public, it would be a good idea. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess that's the good news for us is that it's not as transmissible as COVID, so it can right. be contained a little better. Right. What this this is just kind of your thoughts. What do you <clears throat> what do you think's going to happen? Do you think we're going to be able to contain or you think it's going to kind of continue spreading? I think you will be able to slow it down. Um I I think that um that it could become eventually affecting the general population. It probably can be sexually transmitted. I think there's just one paper that was just in preprint that said it was found in the uh, seminal fluid of uh, of some of the men that had the disease. So um, I can see it transmitting, um, you know, to other populations other than the current one. Um, but I think it could be uh, contained. And as we get more uh, vaccines and have a comfort about using them, um, I think that that would be uh, helpful as as well. Do you think this is out of the norm that monkeypox is? kind of emerging or I just feel like we're we're getting hit with a lot of things in the I mean, past couple years yeah I mean it's it's certainly I, I would never have expected monkeypox to be in the general public and I thought it was you know just a rare event just like Ebola you know but uh, we are seeing a lot of things I mean this is a global world uh, people are starting to travel again I think they were saying that some of the larger gathering of people um, in Europe may have been the initial detect uh, point of the detection whether it was the first event or not we, we don't know but I mean but certainly that helps spread it right some of these international events um, so I think with a global world with the international traveling um, you can spread things very quickly right so we, we know that with COVID we know that with this and it'll be true for forever because if, if people are traveling freely, they, they can uh, transmit a problem very efficiently to other continents and other countries. I guess thinking about vaccination and vaccine hesitancy that I think the COVID vaccine may have ignited a little bit. Mm -hmm. How do you think that's going to impact? I know we've seen polio start to emerge. Do you think it's going to be trending that people are choosing to just not get the, the quote unquote normal vaccines that you normally would have gotten your children? I, I think it's, uh, there's a couple of different viewpoints. I think some people, just because they were just overwhelmed by the COVID problem, didn't bother to get it. They're not actually against the vaccines, but they just didn't get around to it. They didn't point. get around to seeing their doctors, their pediatricians, so they're way behind, but they're not dead set against it. But there is a population that's even more dead set against certain uh, vaccines. And it's interesting to me because um, now you have a vaccine that hasn't been well studied, I mean, anyone looking into it, the monkeypox vaccine has not been well studied because we didn't have a lot of smallpox to test it on, right? So you, you didn't really have a lot of that disease to begin with. So a lot of it is uh, laboratory markers and other things like that, not so much following thousands and tens of thousands, a hundred thousands of people to, to make sure it's safe. I mean, it seems to be safe, but I'm just saying, um, but yet you have people also lining up, right? So they're lining up for the vaccine, not knowing how much there is, um, you know, um, how much knowledge there is behind it. But I, of course I do recommend it. I'm just saying that some people, when they're really worried, they, they kind of squash that doubts and just get, you know, get in line for the, for the vaccine. Yeah, but, I guess there's both groups. Like yeah. you said, ones who are kind of overzealous and aren't really thinking about 
the studying behind it and then others who are like no way no chance but yeah. i mean i would say the childhood vaccines are so important polio is a terrible disease terrible um i've seen it outside traveling internationally for medical missions and things like that and other countries it didn't really leave but we haven't had it in the united states until now for for decades now it's a terrible disease because once you get it if you get the most severe case the paralysis we, we have nothing that we can do to fix it you know, you have prevention, and if you are unfortunate enough to get it, you're not going to get better with anything that we have right now. So that kind of, you know, I think people are surprised that when they hear about it, what, what do you mean we don't have a good measles treatment? We don't have a good, you know, mumps treatment. We don't have a good uh, polio treatment. We don't. The vaccine is everything right now to prevent, to protect you. And, um, you know, so we, we don't have a lot of good treatments for viruses. It's not like you can take an antibiotic and make it go away. So that, that people have to realize that. And there was no incentive to really do a lot of research on antivirals when it's almost knocked out, right? It was almost wiped yeah. out. So why would you spend so much money on antivirals? You know, maybe the farmer will change their minds given what we're seeing, but still it's, uh, you know, they didn't have reasons for decades to, to actually investigate antivirals. Yeah, that's so, so true. So we talked a little bit about prevention and how people can stay safe. Maybe let's like wrap that up in a couple of points. Like how would you advise a patient who's concerned about it? I mean, I think right now, if you're a sexually active uh, male in particular, and you, you are um, a male who has sex with males, I think you have to really relook at what your uh, practices are. And if you want to take uh, more precautions than before, because uh, again, this is not a this is a disease that's on the, uh, on the rise. It's it's hard to get even diagnosed, let alone treated. There's uh, supply issues with vaccines, supply issues with antivirals. You know, you have to. Everyone has to make their own decision about their risk and what they're uh, at, you know looking at and whether they want to change their you know practice for at least a period of time. Because right now things are you know go, the numbers are going up. And I would say about the numbers is that because the testing has been so problematic in, in two months ago, you can only do it at certain labs. Now, finally, it's, it's now available at the commercial labs, the Quest, the lab cores. Um, but uh, two months ago, it was all through Department of Health's labs and things like that. So the numbers are actually probably under reporting. That There's just a delay. sparked another question for me. Mm -hmm. How are you diagnosed? How are you tested? Is it like a swab, like with COVID? It's a swab or? and a dry swab of the skin lesions, of, um, and uh, it's uh, sent to the lab. Um, it has to be done in certain places to have it done safely, and that's one of the problems because if every office could do it, okay, so then you can, you know, have an easy way to do it. But um, the pr practitioner, have, the provider has to be careful because if you're rubbing it and now you're uh, maybe opening up some of the skin lesions, there could be contamination. So you have to do it in full PPE um, and then they have to clean the room afterwards, right? So there, there are certain things and hurdles to doing it in a general office, um, even if you had the supplies. Um, so, you know, ERs are getting probably, they, they've noticed it, right? So they have people being sent to the ER from the offices for suspects. So now they, they have to clean the rooms and they have to see those patients and urgent care is the same thing. So um, testing is still an issue, but it's better because you have different labs that you're used to using that can do the testing. Uh, but still, it's not so easy as just swabbing it and just sending it off. You have to do it in a controlled fashion um, with uh, PPE. Got it. So most of the people who are coming 
to the ED thinking, you know, maybe I have it. What are their, I guess, their biggest complaints? I'm just, you know, wondering. I feel like with COVID, you were like, it was, you were knocked out, you know? Right. So what are they coming with? Well, probably pain. Yeah. Oh, so you have the worried well where every little skin bump is a concern. They think they have it, even though they don't have risk. And then you have people who really do have the risk. Um, and um, uh, it's probably a pain, though, because the pain doesn't let up. And it, it doesn't, and, and, and you need strong uh, pain medications, narcotic pain medications to take the edge off. So we've seen that with uh, several of the patients where even um, some of the pills are not strong enough, right? So one of the reasons for admission to the hospital that's been noted in, the, in cities that have a lot of cases is pain management. Uh, because nothing you can give by your mouth is, is taking the, the pain away and it's very sensitive uh, These uh, they may be in very sensitive areas where there's a lot of you know body tells you there's a lot of pain So is that then like intravenous medications for pain, pain? medications yeah. and and you know making sure they're hydrated and yes yeah. yeah, so you have much more options in terms of pain management in the hospital than yeah, outside for sure Yeah, so in in terms of how the public has responded to this in healthcare establishments too, do you think we are taking monkeypox serious enough, or? Well, I, I would say healthcare, uh, we've been, you know, trying to take it seriously. We started having meetings about this maybe two, three months ago, but then more practical things like, okay, well, how do you diagnose it, right? So you can say, well, if you have a case, this is what you should do. But how do you di how do you diagnose a case? How do you when when you know when someone comes into it, they don't necessarily say that they have it or they have a lab test that says that they have it. So you have to get the providers on board and and educate them very quickly, whether in the ER, the offices, urgent cares, very quickly, right? So you have to provide mass education to the healthcare providers first. Uh, so, th so that's what we had noticed. But I think we, the healthcare providers, at least in my system, we've been having meetings and, and meetings with different people, not just the, the lab people, not just the clinicians, uh, not just the infection prevention, but all of them together so that we can all kind of make sure that uh, it can be handled from beginning to end. Um, and the meetings have been more productive and we have more protocols now. And now we're seeing actual patients in the hospital. It's no longer theoretical. Um, you have to be ready. Uh, so that, that's, uh, that's been a challenge, but I, I think the more um, upfront, uh, up-to-date and pro proactive systems are looking into it, and they should. Yeah, it's life lessons, I guess, for more viruses as they emerge. Um, thinking about the education component, component, do you think that the general public is aware when they come in I'm sure it may differ from patient to patient, but are people saying, do I have monkeypox? Yeah, so I think certain populations are very well um, educated already about this. I think it's the males who have sex with males and, um, you know, that, that population is very much aware of it and concerned about it. Uh, I don't know what the general public is worried about. I don't, you know, because I'm not part of the general public really. So um, I would say that uh, the general public shouldn't panic. I would say the general public though should realize it's, it won't necessarily stay within a certain population they may not belong to, right? So close contact can transmit it. There will be cases that are in, in other groups, different age groups, different um, gender groups, different, uh, you know, different groups. So um, it's something that you have to be aware of. Definitely. I think it's all good safe practices to know for all virus transmission, washing your hands, 
staying home if you're sick, cleaning surfaces that are highly touched, wearing masks, I guess, if you're sick too. Um, yeah, is there, I guess, any other tips you'd give just the rest of us on how to stay safe? Um, I, I would just do everything you just mentioned. I think you have to also realize that uh, tr things can be transmitted. So you have to be responsible, I should say. I mean, COVID taught us that, right? So if you, I mean, if you had the flu and you came to office, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be very popular, but you know, that probably, that happened before, right? But I think if you come into the office knowing you have COVID, that's, that's irresponsible, right? So I think that you have to take uh, personal responsibility. If you know you have a diagnosis, you have to sort of protect the public as well. Uh, so this problem doesn't continue to expand. That's a great point. Dr. Lou, this has been so informative. Thank you so much. I've learned a lot about monkeypox. Um, hopefully anyone listening can take this information and just stay safe out there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. The material provided through this podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.